Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting live 
Gentlemen, welcome to the Rifleman Radio Show. I'd like to thank everyone for uh, listening tonight. I want to thank Sam D for joining me and uh, co-hosting and uh, for doing things like making sure that my microphone is turned on whenever we start the show. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about the upcoming events for Battle Road USA. We've got a couple of uh, major events we do uh, in the course of a year. Uh, one is the the end of the world as we know it, zombie biathlon running gun. And uh, we'll be talking about that as well as the upcoming Ghosts of Goliad courses. And then uh, this is a two-day Fundamentals of Rifle uh, course, and we'll be starting a seven-month run on these courses on uh, September 27th and 28th. <laughs> uh, first off, let me say that the, the, the Zombie Biathlon is an event that... Uh, we created uh, almost three years ago, and this was uh, actually started out as a uh, a way for us to to test how our training was going. You know, we've been with we had been to uh, another running gun, which is a Smokey Briggs running the gun, run and gun in the sun which is out in Pecos, Texas. And uh, we've done that for a couple of years. And uh, it's a it's a great event. Uh, Smokey Briggs and his buddies there have set up a, a right at about a seven-mile course that you're going to be uh, running through the desert. And uh, I think there are six shooting stations. And... <clears throat> 
and we decided that this is a a way for us to uh, to check our uh, our training to see how our shooting skills, our uh, stamina, and the the gear that we were using to see how it all uh, had to work together in order for you to be successful in this type of, of an event. <clears throat> and uh, and it kind of uh, kind of got uh, uh, bigger and bigger, and uh, until uh, we're at the point where we are today, where we uh, we're expecting. Uh, uh, the uh, probably right around uh, oh 130 or so runners. <clears throat> the uh, the Smoky Briggs uh, run and gun in the sun is going to be the weekend of September 20th, 2014. And uh, for more information on this event, you can go to Pecos runandgun.com Pecos runandgun.com uh, and that is uh, uh, Smokey Briggs and the uh, Run and Gun of the Sun uh, webpage and it will have the uh, the course of fire and everything for uh, for the weekend of the the 20th there <coughs> we started out doing that and then uh, we decided we would uh, we would use that type of an event to see how well our training was going. Now, for the the running gun, the zombie biathlon that uh, we'll be holding on October 11th is uh, it's not training because we're not going to do any actual training on the event, but it's more like a like a diagnostic uh, a diagnostic test to see how well your training is going, see how your stamina, uh, your shooting skills, and your gear are, are all working together. Uh, uh, the uh, the Battle Road event is a four and a half mile looping trail with eight stations for rifle and pistol along the length of it. And between each of the shooting stations are obstacles, natural and man-made obstacles. And uh, none of the obstacles are designed to uh, break you or to, uh, uh, <laughs> to crush you. Uh, they're, they're designed, uh, in some cases, to get your heart rate up before you, you hit a stage and shoot because uh, we can't, we can't make you scared, uh, you know, or get uh, adrenaline, give you an adrenaline dump uh, before you hit a shooting stage, which is what you might experience uh, in real life, and that's uh, getting an adrenaline dump right, uh, right in the middle of you trying to defend yourself with your firearm. Uh, so instead, we're going to give you the next best thing, which is 
uh, a little bit of uh, physical, uh, a little bit of physical workout, and that will kind of simulate uh, what you would experience. Okay, so, and uh, these things are, uh, uh, like I said, there's nothing, nothing big, nothing that's going to break you. It's uh, things like a, uh, you know, a ten foot uh, wall that you have to climb over. Uh, it's uh, uh, made out of uh, stock fence panels. Uh, uh, you may have to crawl through some tractor tires, or you may have to crawl through a, uh, like an underground ditch, or you may have to uh, walk across a uh, 45-foot uh, uh, footbridge. It's, uh, it's only six or seven feet off the ground, but uh, it's only 18 inches wide with no handrails. Uh, and uh, then there's a uh, like a quarter mile of uh, winding creek bed that has trees falling down across it, uh, the length of it that you have to crawl over and under. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, I think there's a stack of tires. There's a, a row of uh, really big tree trunks. Uh, including one trunk that's about a little over five feet in diameter that uh, you'll have to uh, climb over in a row. There are tires, rows of tires and stacks of tires that you'll have to uh, to climb, you know, you'll have to uh, run through. Uh, and all of these things are, I think there's uh, some overhead, uh, uh, like monkey bars, uh, different things like that. You know things that you, that are going to uh, they're going to be a little bit uh, uh, taxing on you physically, but but not enough for you to get into a sweat about it. And uh, the main thing is for you to be able to go through these movements and see how your gear is going to react to them. One of the one of the things that uh, that was on my mind when I first uh, when I first thought about this was, you know, we've had, uh, I've had people over the last uh, 10 or 15 years, I've had people uh, who I've talked to and would tell me, uh, you know, if if, uh, if the end of the world comes, uh, if the zombies attack or whatever, uh, I'm going to use this backpack and I'm going to use this uh, magazine carrier. I'm going to use this rifle and uh, use this pistol. I'm going to carry my extra gear uh, this way. I'm going to use this water carrier. I'm going to wear these boots, etc. And uh, when I would ask them if they had ever uh, put all the stuff on and tried to move around in it or tried to shoot in it, the answer was almost always no because there's no real place to do that. <laughs> so, and I'll tell you right now that uh, that a lot of the stuff that you think might work uh, may or may not work. Now, if you spend a lot of time, uh, like with the infantry or something like that, and uh, the gear that you decide to use is uh, is that same basic setup of military type gear. Then yeah, you're probably you're probably used to that. And you probably know how that's going to work. But most of the people I have seen don't use 
the exact same thing they were using in the military. Uh, I was in the military. I don't use that. Uh, a lot of the guys I know that are former, uh, that are prior service, uh, don't use the exact same stuff they were using in the military. So how are you going to know if it's working or not? How are you going to know if the gear that you're planning on using is going to work correctly or not? By that I mean once you have it all on uh, in the way that you think it should be on, uh, are you still able to draw your pistol uh, easily? Uh, are you able to access your extra mags or your combat knife uh, is the uh, backpack something you haven't used before? And after uh, two miles or so, you you notice you've got a, a big, painful, wet, sticky spot on your shoulder where the uh, where the shoulder straps are uh, are rubbing a big old bloody blister on you. Uh, are your boots that you're planning on wearing uh, do they fit comfortably? Are they broken in? Because you don't want to, if it's the end of the world, you don't want to try and break in a new pair of boots. Uh, you want to have a pair of boots that uh, that are broken in and already have some miles on them and that they're tested and they're in good uh, uh, working order. Uh, <clears throat> if you wear glasses, uh, are they going to fall off whenever you go over some of the obstacles or crawl under something or something like that. Uh, if so, then uh, maybe you want to think about getting some uh, some retaining clips or the rubber straps to go with them or something like that. And then make sure that you also have an extra pair in your, uh, in your personal gear that you're going to be running with. These are the things that we're trying to <clears throat> get people to think about. Uh, and figure out the ways they want to wear their gear. And usually I always try at least something new uh, when I run it because uh, one year I said, all right, I'm going to wear uh, everything on, uh, like on a vest. Uh, and I did that in practice. And then I did it on a run. I didn't really like it because of, uh, of the, way, the way everything had to be set up. And it took up... Uh, it, it's really hard to put all the stuff you need on a vest type, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, carrier. Um, then another time I said, all right, this time I'm going to carry uh, the majority of my stuff I'm going to sew into my belt. You know, I'm going to carry it on my belt, my mag carriers and uh, all of that stuff. And uh, I'm going to carry some stuff in the drop pockets, in my cargo pockets, in my pants, stuff like that. That was absolutely a mistake because uh, pants almost fall down uh, along the whole way. <clears throat> and, uh, I, you know, I try something different every time. Uh, and now I usually carry, I'll carry a lot more gear than most people that are that are running the event carry because, uh, there's, you know, at times I want to check out uh, my backpack to see how it's going to feel uh, with all of the stuff in it that I want to use, uh, and I usually carry way more than than what is needed just for the 
event because I'll be carrying uh, uh, a lot of extra ammunition, a lot more than what you needed for the event. For the event. Which is about 70 rounds rifle, 70 rounds pistol. That's, you know, kind of a, a baseline. And, uh, you know, I might carry 300 rounds of uh, rifle and uh, 250 rounds of pistol. And that also is pretty heavy, especially if you're carrying a uh, uh, one of the uh, 30 caliber uh, certified cartridges. <clears throat> I'll carry uh, fire starting gear. I'll carry one or two meals, uh, water purification equipment, uh, binoculars, entrenching uh, uh, tool, you know, just all the stuff that I would carry if I had to bug out because that's what I want to see. That's what I'm trying to figure out is how how this would work if I were bugging out. So pack a lot of times was going to be a lot heavier than uh, than maybe a lot of other folks that are that are running that day, and that's on purpose because I, like I said, I want to I want to go through the event and shoot through the event with that amount of gear on because I figure that's what that's what I might be wearing. Uh, you can alter whatever you're carrying, uh, the amount of stuff that you're carrying. You'll need to have the minimum number of rounds, and uh, the minimum is the number of rounds it's going to take if you don't make any misses, uh, <clears throat> which is about uh, uh, about 150 or so uh, targets. And uh, and then just the pistol and the rifle. Uh, you know, some of the folks don't even carry uh, water or anything else. They'll just carry the minimum number of rounds, and that's it. They're going for speed, and they know that they're they have their uh, shooting skills uh, very well honed. So it's not going to take them uh, other uh, anything other than the minimum number of rounds uh, plus like a ten uh, percent buffer for them to make the course. Uh, other people will carry you know there there's all different amounts in between. And the way that you carry your rifle, uh, you know, we advise everybody to uh, to have a sling on their rifle because you're going. You may want to uh, to drop your rifle and engage a target with the with your handgun, and uh, that way you can let the rifle hang on you. There may be some. Uh, Obstacles that require both your hands, so you want to have a way for the rifle to hang on you uh, as you're, you know, going with the crossing with the obstacle. <clears throat> this is going to let you see if your if your gear is working right for you. You know, can you climb over a fence with uh, whatever sling system you have on your rifle? Uh, I think at one of the one of the times I was given a, I was giving a point sling a try, and my single point sling let the rifle hang down so low that uh, it was causing me grief climbing over some of the obstacles, and uh, so I've altered that so that I can I can climb over obstacles without 
without any grief or I can uh, go under obstacles without any grief. Uh, so, and the, the uh, other thing about this is that when you start the race, when you start the, uh, when you cross the starting line, uh, everything that you're going to need for the, for the event needs to be on your body. You're not going to be coming back by the uh, by your vehicle. Uh, you're not going to get stuff along the way. Everything you're going to need uh, for the uh, next couple of hours after you cross the starting line, you need to have on you. All the ammunition you're going to need, all of the uh, water or any snacks you need, anything like that, everything has to be on you when you cross the starting line. Now, there are certainly will be water along the way so that uh, if something happens, if you lose your water or, you know, something like that or you drink it all, you're still thirsty, you can grab some more water from one of the stations. But I believe that, uh, I believe Mark has, uh, uh, has that listed as a 30-minute penalty. So, now, certainly we don't want you to die of, uh, of heat stroke or, you know, uh, water loss or anything like that. But uh, if you're not carrying enough water and you need to get some, it's a 30-minute penalty. Uh, if you run out of ammunition, uh, that's a disqualification for the rest of the events. So you need to make sure you've got uh, enough ammunition on you to, uh, to run the course at your skill level. Uh, if it takes you two or three shots uh, to to hit a, a head-sized target at uh, at seven meters, then you're going to need uh, the number of headshots that we have times uh, three as your minimum. <coughs> the uh, the name of the event is uh, the run and gun, but it's, uh, there's no requirement for you to, to run. You don't have to run. Uh, you can, uh, uh, I, I, I very seldom break into a run on the trail. I keep a good, long, rapid stride, something uh, akin to the, uh, the stride of the, uh, uh, the Redcoat Army, which was, uh, uh, one mile every 16 minutes, uh, maybe a little faster than that at times. But I keep that stride up, and uh, I also have to do a lot of work along the courses I'm running it, and you know, putting up uh, additional uh, marking flags, marking the trail better, etc., stuff like that, uh, and then taking a lot of pictures. So I don't run it. Now, we do have folks that do run it. We have uh, we have folks. I told you that are uh, that are running the event, and they're running it in shorts, uh, tennis shoes, uh, lightweight pistol holster with two mags, and a nice lightweight uh, rifle with two mags, a t-shirt, hat, uh, earring protection, eyeglasses, and that's all they wear. Uh, and they're flying through the course. Uh, 
And those guys, some of those guys are probably going to end up uh, with the uh, with the first, second, third place prizes. <laughs> but the reality of this is, is that the event is designed uh, for you to test yourself. You're not really racing against anybody other than yourself. The goals that you've set for yourself uh, and to determine what your uh, what your level of skill is, where your weaknesses are, where your strengths are, and uh, what you need more training on. Uh, those are the things that that you're going to be figuring out while you're uh, while you're doing the run, and that's what it's for. Now, a lot of folks have uh, uh, they have been shooting uh, during the course of the year with their rifle at uh, oh, you know, at a hundred yards at their rifle range, and uh, and they're hitting the bullseye and uh, from their bench at the rifle range, but. Uh, can you uh, can you hit the target? Uh, can you get a man's size target at 250 meters uh, from the uh, prone position, from the kneeling, uh, shooting under a barrier, uh, or laying on your side? Uh, in very awkward positions, and after you have uh, a good uh, four and a half miles of hard trail under your belt. Can you hit the target then? And that's uh, one of the things that we want to show folks is that shooting shooting your rifle or your pistol, uh, after you have been, uh, walking for uh, four or five miles is a lot different than shooting your rifle and pistol after you get out of your car and walk over to the range. Uh, there's a lot of difference in these two, shooting when you're tired and uh, shooting whenever you uh, are not tired. And and you'll find out very quickly uh, if you can still hit the target. Uh, when you show up at stage eight, which is a speed wall, required to shoot uh, from nine different, you're required to shoot at a target 250 meters away from nine different positions uh, in three minutes. And this is uh, this is a doable thing. Again, it's not that hard because, like I said, the target's only uh, 250 meters away and say, it's a big uh, E-size target, a full full size, and uh, pretty easy to hit. But like I said, we've added in uh, uh, the fact that you're going to be physically uh, taxed at that point, and we're going to make you shoot pretty rapidly from nine different positions. <clears throat> uh, there are uh, four rifles stages. Uh, the first
stage that you'll hit along the route is a rifle stage, and then you'll have to shoot at, uh, at five different targets that are from uh, like 150 to 200 yards away from you. And uh, you'll have to shoot at that from, from uh, four or five positions. Uh, the other thing that we're that we'll, we're making folks do uh, this event is they'll have to shoot uh, with their strong and weak sides. If you're right-handed, your strong side is your right side. If you're left-handed, your strong side is your left hand. So we're going to make you shoot uh, your rifle. Uh, using your right hand and right shoulder and your left hand and left shoulder uh, at some of the stages. The same thing with your pistol, because it's uh, it's not uncommon to receive some type of uh, debilitating injury uh, to your some part of your hand or arm or body that would require you to make the shot uh, with uh, your weak side. So. Expect that uh, along the along the route. There will be four rifle stations and four pistol stations, <laughs> and uh, most of the pistol stations. Uh, let's see. Well, only half of them. Half of the pistol stations are going to require you to make headshots uh, on your targets before you can be counted as a hit. And move on. And that goes along with our zombie team, which is uh, making you shoot the zombie in the head before you can uh, before you can move on. Uh, and the other four, I mean the other two course, uh, pistols courses, uh, will be uh, shooting at uh, full size silhouettes and the the uh, medium size itching silhouettes. And uh, those have other things that we're going to be asking you to do to make it uh, more challenging for you there. The, uh, like I said, the overall intent of the running gun is to to show you how all of the how the three your shooting skills, your stamina, and your gear all have to work together in order for you to be successful in an event like this. And we've seen all kinds of gear come through. We've seen uh, folks come through with uh, uh, 357 Magnum wheel guns uh, and 357 uh, lever gun with it. Uh, carrying their rifle just in a leather uh, bag, uh, all the way to uh, lots of the guys who look like they just fast roped in, and uh, everything in between. <clears throat> so whatever, and what we what we tell folks is whatever gear you're you're planning on using uh, in the event uh, that zombies overrun uh, your neighborhood. That's what we want you to bring and shoot. I've gone from, uh, I think many years ago, I had a bunch of military gear that I was using just because it was cheap and plentiful, and, and I already had a bunch because I, I bought extras uh, while I was serving. 
I bought a bunch of extra gear from the surplus shops, and uh, and I would use that gear while I was out on patrol, so that uh, so that my my issued gear remained uh, sparkling, new and clean, and uh, it was always ready for inspection because I bought uh, doubles so that uh, all of my uh, all of the gear that I actually used was gear that I could throw in uh, the rucksack and and take home. <clears throat> so I had a bunch of military gear that uh, that I started out using many years ago. But I started uh, my philosophy on this has changed quite a bit. If uh, if there's some situation that uh, <clears throat> is going to require me to to gear up and try and defend my myself or my property, plus my all my bug out gear too is uh, is all uh, civilian looking gear and. Uh, uh, none of it is new and shiny. Uh, it's all uh, uh, very uh, uh, discreet-looking, uh, regular-looking uh, gear. It's in good condition, but uh, I've tried to make sure that it's just plain-looking gear, <clears throat> so that uh, so that I don't look like uh, some type of military person or some type of person whose gear uh, should be taken from them. Uh, my, uh, you know, a lot of my, my main bug out gear is just regular uh, uh, light uh, earth colored uh, backpacks. I've got a uh, an old worn uh, military poncho, I mean a cold weather gear shell. That's that uh, the big shell that goes over your Arctic uh, jacket. I've got just the shell, which is a very lightweight, thin material. But it's really big, too, so that it can cover uh, my backpack if I was wearing it and uh, a bunch of other gear. I've got the uh, a nice, sturdy, uh, collapsible chair bag, and that's what my rifle goes into. I just... Uh, Pop it, pop the pins out, pop it in half if it's the AR, or just uh, pop the trigger group out and fold it in half if it's, if it's the grand, and slide it in that bag. That way it just looks like uh, a chair inside the bag. Not uh, doesn't look like a rifle that somebody might want to shoot me and take. And then uh, for me to carry the any ammunition, uh, I use the Alongapo. Uh, 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 system of uh, the Alongapo Outfitters. Now, Sam, uh, you said, uh, I think last time I said it, uh, I was saying Olongapo, uh, but you corrected me. And what's the, uh, what is the correct way to say it? It's anyway, I've never, <laughs> what is it? It's Alongapo. <laughs> Olongapo, okay. Because uh, I've been saying Olongapo for I don't know how long, ever since uh, uh, the guy came out with the gear. I've never heard anybody say it. 
uh, all I've ever done is read it. So it's, so it's Olongapo. Anyway, that uh, the Olongapo Outfitters, and they're one of the sponsors of the uh, of the Zombie Run. Uh, and he's going to be donating some gear for us to give away. The Olongapo Outfitters gear is, I think, really one of the uh, the perfect gear carrying system because <clears throat> it's an over-the-shoulder bag, and uh, if uh, uh, and uh, he makes them for just about uh, just about all of the rifle systems that uh, that require uh, clips or magazines. I've got uh, one for my AR, one for my uh, for each of my Garands. You know, the Garands holds uh, uh, twelve uh, of the in blocks. Uh, the ARs hold six magazines. I like it because, uh, you know, I went from, I told you, from carrying my gear uh, all on a all on a uh, load-bearing vest type thing uh, to now layering my, layering my gear on. And that way, that allows me to shed uh, specific items. If I absolutely had to, I could shed them uh, instead of, Dumping everything at once, uh, where it's all connected. If I needed to, I can dump dump the pack and leave it. Either try and hide it, or or just dump it for somebody to ruffle through as I'm getting away. Um, I can, uh, and uh, and also, if uh, if I'm running out the door, I can just grab the Alangapo. Uh, uh, over the uh, arm satchel and the rifle, and I'm ready to go. So that's one of the reasons I really, uh, I really like it. And the Alangapo uh, Outfitters gear is very, very uh, quality gear. And it's just one guy; he's cranking all this stuff out, but he does a fantastic job of it. <clears throat> the gear is really well made, and it's not expensive. And I, at least not now, it is. It's not. It's uh it's, uh, it's very affordable, uh, so I, I would uh, I would suggest that uh, if you're looking for some gear, maybe Sam can uh, can grab the uh, the address for it. I believe it's alongapooutfitters.com. Uh, uh, I've got it here. I'll post it in the chat in just a moment, Scout. Okay. Uh, anyway, the uh, the uh, I can wear that uh, over my shoulder. I can push it around my to the back, and uh, you won't see that I'm wearing any gear. Or I won't look like anybody else. I've got an old raggedy uh, NYPD uh, hat that's in my gear. Uh, like I said, I've got the old uh, Arctic shell and uh, the bag to carry the rifle in uh, and the bug-out bag that is filled with the uh, with the essentials. So, so that's what uh, that's what I use and that's the way that I carry my gear. So, uh, so that's the uh, and the, the whole point of this, what I was saying, was just that uh, uh, that I try out different stuff. Uh, you know, at each of the events, I'll try out 
uh, adding something or, uh, you know, or getting rid of something or trying something else. Uh, the other thing I'd recommend is some good uh, suspenders. You know, if you end up carrying your your pistol on your uh, belt on your pants uh, and your uh, some extra mags on that same belt, uh, I'll grab a, a good set. They make a lot of good set of uh, suspenders now. Anyway, that helps keep the uh, the uh, see at the same time that I'm talking. Uh, the uh, that helps keep your your pants from uh, sliding off. That was another thing that I found that uh, that was useful. Is uh, you know wearing a good a good set of suspenders that way you don't have to uh, keep your belt so tight that it's uh, uh, that it's chafing you, you know, or causing you grief. And uh, uh, you mean that you mean that we're not going to get the sea scout run the course with his pants down around his knees? <laughs> no, but you didn't even see. You weren't going to even see that uh, uh, the time it happened because I I ran with uh, my uh, left hand. Grabbing a bunch of grabbing a, a handhold of, of uh, fabric in my crotch and pulling it up so that uh, so that my pants would stay up high enough that I didn't get chafed uh, because my the time I ran without the suspenders and with all the gear on my belt uh, it didn't matter how hard I tightened the belt up you know I think I had like 25 pounds on the on the belt uh, you know it was uh, it was going to go down. So I ran the whole dang race, uh, clutching my crotch and pulling the fabric up, and uh, that certainly uh, that's certainly uh, you know taught me one thing that I, that you don't do you know is put everything on your belt at least not without suspenders. So you learn something from every uh, every event, and uh, and I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't rain while we're doing this. But you know you learn every time you. You experience uh, weather or you know inclement weather, anything like that. You you always learn from this. That's why uh, we always ran training events, uh, no matter what the weather was. The military does the same thing. The military refuses to uh, acknowledge weather. Uh, you know they they run training regardless. The only thing that stops uh, us or the military is lightning. Uh, you know, there's actually a lot of folks in the military that uh, uh, that are injured by lightning every year. Uh, I I remember one time at uh, at Bragg walking into a GP medium tent. wasn't even raining, but walking into a GP medium tent, and as I opened the flap to walk in, there was a uh, there was like a flash. And uh, and a big boom, and it was like somebody hit me with a with a really big heavy pillow, and uh, I picked myself up back up off the ground, and I thought maybe we got hit with a short round or something, and uh, and what it was was lightning. Lightning had hit that top center pole of the GP medium, and we weren't even we weren't even. Uh, like all by ourselves out in the middle of a plane, we're actually in a little tiny clearing in the middle of a pine forest. And uh, but it still decided that's what it was going to hit. It hit that center pole on the the GP medium uh, tent top, 
uh, spiral down it and then hit all of the com- all of the commo gear on the table that was in a that was in a circle around the pole and ended up breaking several of the guy's arms that were sitting at their desk with the commo gear. That was really uh, really bizarre too. And thank goodness that's all it did. I mean, they they had like their clothes were smoking, but nobody got burned. But uh, one guy got both his arms broke, uh, and another guy got uh, both bones broke in one arm and one bone broke in the other arm. And, uh, you know, there were some cuts and gashes and stuff, but uh, uh, but any time that you are working in uh, inclement weather, I mean, that's, that's a possibility. But the other side of that is you get, uh, you get to learn stuff that you might not have otherwise known about your, uh, about your gear. Is your gear, uh, will it take the water? Uh, will a will a uh, you know a half inch rapid downpour will that cause your uh, your half of your stuff in your bucket kit to get ruined because that's not good right uh, in my backpack uh, almost every single thing in it is inside a uh, ziploc bag and I even went to the dollar store and I bought a big stack of the uh, they're really big Ziploc bags. You know, some of them could actually hold, like, uh, some of them were meant for, uh, like, uh, uh, you know, pillows and stuff like that. Uh, but there's some smaller sizes, and I'll put all my clothes uh, inside those, mash out all the air, so it's just like a little thin pancake. Uh, I'll put uh, anything else that I have, any kind of paper goods, any uh, matches, Anything, almost everything goes inside a Ziploc bag. Either one of those little tiny snack bags, the sandwich bags, the gallon bags, the quart freezer bags, uh, any of that. Everything is inside a Ziploc bag. That way that uh, even if it rains, uh, my gear is going to stay dry. I'm going to be able to grab out a dry pair of socks or dry underwear or dry pair of pants. Uh, uh, And... That's something that you should be thinking about, whether the skies are completely uh, completely clear or not. So uh, I hope that we won't have rain this time because uh, we've got uh, we've got about a quarter of a, mi- a quarter of a mile of this thing is uh, in a. Uh, in a creek bed. So, I want to make sure that uh, <laughs> that uh, we don't get any rain if we can help it because uh, I've got a trail outside the creek bed too. But uh, anyway, the uh, uh, the I don't know exactly what I'm talking about. I think I was talking about the about uh, the about the way that you carry your gear and the things you can do. <laughs> anyway, that's what we're using the uh, the running gun to do, is to figure out uh, the good and bad ways to carry your gear, what kind of gear that uh, uh, the things that you need, the things you don't need, 
Uh, I carry a bunch of stuff that I know I'm not going to need, but I carry it anyway because that's just that's what my bag looks like that I'm going to carry. I don't want to try I don't want to try running the event with something lighter because I'm not going to have something lighter on. Uh, this is what I'm going to be having. This is uh, this is the bag that I'm going to have. Now I do have a couple of smaller bags uh, that I use for different occasions, but uh, I already know that uh, it, it, I know that they'll work. If I can do it with the big bag, I can do it with the small ones. And uh, the uh, uh, the event, the uh, the running gun, also gives folks uh, something to look forward to and something to motivate them for training. And back when we were doing the uh, Pecos running gun, that's something that kept uh, Mark and I motivated for training. We knew that uh, in September... Uh, we were going to have to hit the hit the seven mile uh, trail again, and uh, and even though it's only seven miles, uh, most of the folks will tell you you do a quick seven miles out in the desert, and it's uh, it's pretty rough on you. Well, you know, every time you do it, you think, well, I don't want it to be that rough again, so I'm going to train up for it uh, to make it easier on myself for this next year. And that's what you do; you keep training up to it, and that's what uh, that's what we hope people do, and we know that they do it because they've already told us. They use the, uh, the zombie biathlon uh, as their uh, motivation for training, and that is great. And that's what we want people to do. We want people to, uh, to use this as a motivation to keep them, uh, to keep them at it, to keep them uh, running, keep them shooting, uh, you know, to keep them uh, working on their... Uh, on their body strength and their stamina, and uh, and then to come and test it at the run and gun twice a year. And we'll have the event in uh, October, and then we'll have it again in April each year. And uh, and I'm trying to get. Uh, uh, I'm trying to get Mark to call in uh, so he can add his two cents. I don't know. Is he looking to see if he's calling? I don't think he's calling. I think the 712, that's, uh, that is the Wyoming number. Uh, okay. All right, so give the... Uh, uh, give the Alonga Pool Outfitters a look because that's going to be some really decent gear, not just for this event, but for uh, for anything you do. Anytime you can grab, uh, because of before this, I just I had made my own uh, mag carrier out of a chaplain's bag. Uh, I don't I guess they stuff to carry their Bible and holy water and stuff like that in, I guess. But uh, it carried uh, uh, six of the 30-round mags, uh, and it's good. It just it wasn't as good as uh, the uh, the Alongapo, uh Outfitters bag because they were they were stacked loosely uh, beside each other, and uh, once you took one out, then they could they could rattle around in there. The uh, Alongapo gear is very quiet. Uh, each of the mags are separated from each other 
they are held extremely securely. Uh, it looks nice. It's a very uh, sharp-looking piece of gear. It uh, goes uh, over your shoulder, you know, cross shoulder. Uh, and uh, like I said, I like it because I can grab the uh, I grab the bag of magazines and the rifle and head out. And I know I've got uh, I've got my basic load of uh, uh, seven thirty-round magazines, and uh, and I'm good to go. Uh, with the uh, Grand, I've got 12 in blocks, uh, uh, which is 96 rounds, and uh, and it's in a nice, comfortable carrier. <coughs> okay, uh, the uh, if you'd like to uh, get more information about the event, and uh, you can go to the BattleRoadUSA.com website. And uh, if you go down to the bottom of the home page, uh, there is a video there that uh, Chuck Weidman uh, from Rough House Studios made for us. And he did a really great job. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice video. It's very well made. It's a kind of like a cinematic uh, look at uh, what goes on at the at the uh, zombie running gun. <clears throat> and uh, uh, you can go to the home page at BattleRoadUSA.com. And uh, up the top of the page, uh, across the links, you've got uh, the link for the zombie biathlon. You can click on that, go to the zombie biathlon page, and then you can sign up for the event right off that page. And let me tell you that... Uh, uh, that we are well over uh, half of the slots gone, and uh, we've got the 30 days left uh, until the event. But we have over half of the tickets gone. So uh, if you uh, are planning on uh, if you're planning on going, you better. Uh, you better see if uh, if you can uh, try and make sure that you get uh, a ticket pretty soon. All right? Okay. Like I said, for more information, go to uh, BattleRoadUSA.com and uh, click on the Zombie Biathlon link. While you're there, take a look at the uh, the website, and uh, we get a lot of good uh, information on the website and uh, all the courses, that, the upcoming courses we have listed, uh, other than... We have a uh, November, uh, I believe, 16th and 17th or 17th and 18th uh, pistol course. Uh, and that is uh, it's a two-day course, and that includes the uh, uh, pistol craft and uh, fighting handgun courses back to back. And uh, that'll be a two-day course in uh, November, in the uh, the middle of November. I'll have that course and the sign-up page up uh, uh, in the next day or so for that. We also have the uh, uh, December 6th and 7th Three Percenters Grid Down Communications and Radio class. That's December 6th and 7th. It's a two-day course. One day of, uh, of classroom 
on uh, how to use your gear, what gear to get, uh, how to get started, <coughs> and then uh, a one-day FTX where you actually go out in the field and you put all your your gear through its paces and uh, make a uh, set of communications. And uh, this is uh, going to be taught by uh, Spark31, uh, who is the uh, the Camo communications guru. That will be in December. We also have over half of the slots filled for that class already too. So uh, and that's uh, they got filled uh, four months out. So if you'd like to take that course, I suggest uh, I suggest signing up for it pretty soon too. Uh, that's uh, two hundred dollars for the two days, uh, which is a pretty good deal. Uh, all right. Uh, now I would like to uh, talk about uh, our new project that we're running, and uh, that is a two-day fundamentals of rifle marksmanship course. And the name of the course is the Ghost of Goliad Rifle Marksmanship Project. The reason it has that name is because you're going to get two solid days of fundamentals of rifle marksmanship. Now that is, that's not the basics. This isn't a baby course. This is the fundamentals. These are these skills and techniques that you will need uh, regardless uh, of where your shooting path takes you, regardless of what your sc shooting skill level is. Uh, you still need to have a solid grasp of the fundamentals. And uh, I'll tell you, too, that, uh, that when I first went through a course uh, like this, uh, almost 10 years ago now, when I first went through a course like this, I had a uh, one of the uh, one of my friends who was going to the class also uh, had been shooting for uh, uh, competitively uh, for the uh, Navy for almost 40 years, <coughs> including shooting at uh, Camp Perry and stuff like that, and uh, and he said that he learned a lot and he really wished he would have taken this course uh, starting out, you know, before he, uh, before he spent the 40 years of shooting competitively. But he still learned a lot in the course. Uh, that's why I say it doesn't matter what your skill level is or what you plan to do uh, with your shooting skills. Uh, having a good grasp of the fundamentals is an absolute requirement. Uh, so you're going to get that, but you're also going to get it during the two days. You're also going to get uh, a couple of hours of the history of the Texas War for Independence. Now, the Texas War for Independence uh, began on... Uh, uh, October 3rd in Goliad, I mean in uh, Gonzales, and then uh, ended seven months later on April 20th in uh, San Jacinto. And there were over a dozen major battles fought uh, during those seven months. And 
and we're going to talk to uh, the folks who attend about why the war came about, why the uh, Texas War for Independence came about, uh, who was involved in, involved in it, what they did, and why they did it. Uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of stuff that folks, uh, that folks didn't get. Some folks, of course, never got any history or very little of it other than stuff like, uh, like bumper stickers, uh, in their public school education. But most folks, uh, never uh, got any of the details of the uh, Texas War for Independence. Even here in Texas, we don't, uh, apparently we don't uh, get a lot of the, the details told to folks. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to try and give you that. Uh, we're going to tell you about the different battles and uh, and discuss them and and the other thing that we're going to do is uh, I've also tweaked the course uh, just recently, uh, in order to add in a top of the hour uh, five-minute discussion on self-reliance and prepping skills. Now, we're not going to, uh, as I said, the, the course is designed mainly to to give you a rock-solid foundation in the fundamentals. So that's, that's going to be the main uh, perspective, the main uh, thrust of the course, is rifle fundamentals. But uh, as I've talked to you guys uh, before in, in some of these shows that we've done, you, know, you guys know that uh, that's not all there is to staying alive. Shooting isn't all there is to staying alive. So we'll have top-of-the-hour discussions uh, about uh, things like uh, uh, the need for water, including water storage, uh, water purification, things like that. We'll, we'll only go over it for about five minutes because we're not going to, we won't do an in-depth class in it. We're just going to have like a good uh, five-minute discussion of it at the top of the hour. Things like uh, water storage, water purification, uh, fire starting, land navigation, things like that, so that uh, folks will get a little bit of a taste of uh, of the skills that are going to be required for self-reliance and prepping, uh, as well as the marksmanship. So you can kind of uh, you can kind of kill two birds uh, on the self-reliance and prepping. Uh, categories with this course. One is going to be uh, most of the folks that uh, have, have determined that they want to do more to ensure that they are becoming self-reliant. One of the things that they have on their list is usually uh, firearms instruction, you know, rifle marksmanship. And so you'll get to put a check by that. And the other is uh, general survival skills. You'll, get a, you'll be able to put a check by that too. We'll have uh, have discussions on it, and then uh, and then we'll have a working lunch, which means that uh, during lunch we'll have uh, additional in 
additional history instruction. And we'll talk about the history uh, during lunchtime. And we'll also do stuff like uh, we'll uh, start a fire with uh, flint and steel. And uh, have somebody else start it with have start a fire with the, uh, the one of the magnesium blocks and they with the flint and steel strikers on it. And maybe somebody else uh, start one with uh, you know with a magnifying glass, something like that. And uh, so that is uh, that's how the course is going to run. Now the things we're going to teach in it for rifle marksmanship. Uh, we're going to teach you uh, the, as I said, the fundamentals. That's going to include how to use the sling that's on your rifle. Uh, and if you don't have one on your rifle, we're going to explain to you why you should. So we're going to teach you how to use a sling. Uh, we're going to teach you uh, all of the steps included and making a making the shot, and uh, uh, because it's a lot more than just uh, grabbing the rifle and pointing it and squeezing the trigger, uh, we're going to uh, give you the sequential steps uh, that you need to in order to make the shot. These are the things that are going to be included. Are going to be like the uh, making sure that you have uh, a good position. Uh, because a stable position is is going to be one of the fundamentals of making the shot. If you have uh, uh, the, the shakier your position is, the less chance that it's going to be consistent, and the less chance that you're going to be able to hit the shot, at least on purpose. So we'll teach you how to make uh, a good, uh, stable shooting position. We'll teach you how to uh, ensure that your sights. Uh, are aligned, making sure that you have that you understand how the front and rear sights uh, need to look when you look across the sights of your rifle. What you want to see, how you want them to look, because a lot of people see the sights on the rifle, but after teaching uh, rifle marksmanship for many years, I know that people are. Uh, I know that people can be pretty casual. About what they see or what they how they're how they're using the sights, because I've asked people to uh, to draw what they what they see when you know I get them to hold the rifle up, they can look across the sights and then and then go okay. So here's that the uh, paper and pencil. I want you to draw you draw a picture of what you're seeing whenever you use your sights. Okay. So here's a, put a little circle there, a little, a little black dot. That's your bullseye. Now tell me how you are looking through your sights at it, and uh, and where you're putting your sights. And there have been a lot of different uh, versions that I've seen. So we're going to tell you how to properly align your sights. Then uh, the next most important thing is uh, is how you Put those properly aligned sights on the target because that uh, that's just as important because the sights determine where your where your bullet's going to strike. So 
uh, how you're putting those sites on the target is uh, very important. Uh, there's the uh, the center of mass or center of target holds, and that's uh, like the uh, other commonly like uh, COMTOS. I mean, uh, COT. Uh, there is uh, and the military uses uh, uh, like this center of mass or center of target. And then there's a six o'clock hole where you're holding your sights just below the thing you want to hit. So that, uh, and the reason that that is done is so that you can make shots at distance. Uh, your your front sight is awfully big when you're looking at a target that's three, four, five hundred uh, meters from you. Okay, the your target. Uh, maybe just a little tiny dot, and your front sight is going to be uh, five times, six times as wide as whatever you're shooting at. So uh, using a six o'clock hole will enable you to still see what you're shooting at, but uh, you'll have zeroed the rifle so that the so that your round, the projectile, will strike above your front sight. <clears throat> Uh, we'll teach you about uh, the correct breathing pattern <clears throat> because uh, if you are breathing during the shot, you're going to be moving. There's just there's there's no way to cancel that out. When you're breathing, your lungs are expanding with air. It's causing your uh, your chest to expand, your ribs to expand. There is no way to stop movement if you're breathing. The only way to do that is to take the shot when you're not breathing. There's several methods of doing that. Uh, you can do it uh, at the bottom of your breathing cycle. That's when you've, you, have, you have breathed out uh, the air that you took in, and without expelling it by force, when you get to that point where the air is equalized, you can stop right there. You'll have a couple of seconds uh, and take the shot there. Or you can take a half a breath in or a quarter breath. Whatever it is, uh, whatever method you decide to use, you will need to do it consistently. I mean, do it every time like that so that uh, you can be consistent. Because it takes consistency for you to make a shot. So we'll talk to you about your breathing and, uh, and how to uh, make the shot when you're not breathing, when you're not moving. Uh, we'll talk to you about your trigger squeeze. Uh, because it has to be a squeeze. It can't be a trigger jerk or a trigger pull or a trigger yank because that that trigger yank imparts movement to the firearm, which affects the impact of the round downrange. So you'll need to make sure that you are, are learning the correct trigger squeeze. Uh, we'll talk to you about uh, uh, about all of this. We'll talk to you about zeroing your rifle because uh, a lot of people don't understand the zeroing concept. I mean, I can't tell you how many people uh, uh, that I've run into over the years who say, uh, who never zero their rifle. They either uh, always miss because it's not zeroed and they know it, or they just uh, have to always say, well, I always have to aim high to the right, uh, you know, if I want to hit the target, you know, because the bullet won't hit where the sights are. <laughs> and 
They just they don't understand the concept of zeroing. We're going to teach you how to zero your rifle correctly uh, for whatever uh, sight picture that you decide you're going to use. We're going to make sure that it's zeroed correctly for that sight hold and, uh, and so that you understand how to zero your rifle. You don't have to depend on somebody else to do it because we're going to teach you how to do it. Uh, we'll work with people on uh, understanding, as I said earlier, understanding the different positions that you can be shooting in, either standing, some type of kneeling, uh, sitting uh, type position, or the prone position. And there's uh, like a full flat prone. There's the, uh, uh, there's the elevated prone. We're going to talk to you about that. We'll talk to you about... Uh, about how to steady your rifle uh, in these positions, uh, using your sling, using your uh, magazine, uh, how to how to keep a steady rifle in these positions. Uh, we'll talk to you about making magazine changes and reloads because that's an important part of of the. Uh, the shooting experience because uh, I don't care how many rounds your your firearm will hold uh, the at some point it's going to uh, go empty and when it does you're going to need to uh, to put some more ammunition in so we're going to talk to you about that uh, we're going to talk to you about making shots on multiple targets and from multiple positions, right? So, uh, this is what the the two days are going to be filled with. And uh, so, if you know somebody that uh, is in the self-reliance, uh, the prepping, uh, be sure and... Uh, be sure and let them know that uh, that this is going on uh, September. I mean, uh, yeah, September 27th, 28th, because uh, this is going to be uh, this is going to be something that's uh, really geared up for them. Uh, and we uh, we've kept the. Uh, We've kept the the cost of this very low uh, because we want people to come out and learn to shoot. Uh, most courses like this uh, run uh, anywhere from uh, 150 to 250 bucks uh, for the two days. We're only charging 80 bucks for the uh, for men, 40 for women, 20 for kids. And uh, because we want you to come and shoot together as a family, and uh, we want to make it uh, uh, at a price that will allow you to get the the instruction uh, without it being too expensive. So, <clears throat> so we've made it uh, 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 affordable, and uh, and we certainly look forward to. Uh, to the folks showing up, we've got a a good number of folks already 
uh, already planning on being at the event in September. And uh, I'd like to encourage as many folks uh, to come out as they can because uh, this is going to be uh, this will be the the beta. Uh, testing of the program, and uh, we'd like to see how it's going to how it's going to work, and if there are things that uh, that we need to uh, to tweak uh, to make this thing work. Because uh, I don't think anybody's uh, I've never heard of a uh, of a course like this being run by anybody, and. Uh, And so, and I've never done one exactly like this. So we'd like to get as many folks there as possible, so that uh, so that we can uh, figure out any glitches in this and uh, and help uh, develop the course. It's going to run for seven months. Uh, each month uh, of the uh, seven month run, uh, we'll vote or devote. Uh, we'll do an overall history. Of the uh, Texas War for Independence, and then we'll do a specialized uh, discussion of one of the major battles. And there were quite a few, and I bet folks didn't know that uh, that in one of the major battles fought, that's uh, the Battle of uh, Toledo Creek, that uh, the the bulk of the fighting force was made up of volunteers from Alabama, and. Uh, Unfortunately for them, uh, Pannon, who got surprised out in the open uh, by the Mexican forces, uh, was was talked into surrendering uh, because he was led to believe that his men would be uh, paroled, and that is where they uh, where they let you go after you sign a sworn statement saying that you will not uh, again set foot in the in uh, uh, the Texas area that you'll return home and not fight again. He was led to believe that his men would be paroled, so he surrendered. And unfortunately for him and all of the the boys from Alabama, that wasn't the case. Uh, they took him out one day, told him that they were going to be uh, uh, heading out to the boats so that they could get on the boats and uh, and sail home. And instead, uh, they were all lined up and uh, shot. There was a, a, a massacre there of Calido Creek, also known as the, the Goliad Massacre. Uh, over 340 uh, fighters were killed. Uh, so we'll focus uh, each month on one specific battle, uh, but we'll give you an overall uh, uh, discussion of how the battle ran, of how the, the war ran, and what battles were fought. <clears throat> now, it went a lot uh, faster than the American Revolutionary War. That was eight long years and hundreds of battles. The Texas War for Independence was only seven months and uh, a little over a dozen uh, battles. A lot less uh, people involved, a lot fewer battles, <clears throat> but the similarities between the two, between the American Revolutionary War and the Texas War for Independence, were actually very many. 
and uh, <clears throat> that's uh, one of the things that we will uh, talk about while we're while we're doing this, and that is uh, the the similarities between the two. The colonists in America in uh, the 1770s, and actually even before that, uh, they wanted their rights under the British Constitution. And when it wasn't, when they weren't given them, matter of fact, when they were actually penalized and uh, they put under much harsher rules than their uh, fellow British citizens living in the, back in the homeland there in England, then they began to protest. And because of the continued protest, they received more penalties. And finally, uh, we have it getting to the point where uh, General Gage, who was the commander of the, he was the governor of the colonies, the overall commander there, decided that in order to get them to shut up, he was going to have to uh, seize their firearms because once he had done that, uh, well, he, he uh, let's say that he was going to seize the gunpowder because back then, uh, you know, the firearm was pretty much useless without gunpowder and the colonists had really no good way of making it. So he was going to seize the gunpowder, thereby denying them the use of their firearms and also to seize any uh, weapons of mass destruction uh, that he could find, any cannon. Uh, and when he did so, it caused uh, a battle, and that battle precipitated the, the beginning of the War for American Independence. Now, we jump forward uh, six decades, and, uh, and we have the Texas colonists. They don't want independence. They simply want to be governed uh, under the Constitution, under the Mexican Constitution. And when they were denied that, that equal uh, governing, they began to protest. Uh, because of the protest, they received penalties. And eventually, Santa Ana determined that he was going to seize uh, their firearms, their gunpowder, in order to make them shut up. So he sent uh, uh, a uh, raiding party to the town of uh, uh, Goliad to seize their cannon. They only had a, they had a little tiny cannon. I think it was almost like a golf ball sized cannon uh, that they used uh, in their defense against the Indians. But uh, he was going to seize the cannon and they heard about it, and uh, that uh, is where the that uh, now famous flag comes from. It has a picture of a cannon, and underneath it it says, come and take it. So the Texas colonists, they were upset about this, about the fact that not only were they not going to be governed under the Mexican Constitution, they were going to be penalized, and they were going to have their firearms confiscated. And uh, once they got word of that, they, they resolved that they were going to uh, uh, they were going to resist. And uh, that flag, the come and take it flag, was their their beginning battle cry. The uh, Mexican forces uh, arrived, and 
and they uh, they saw what was going on, and uh, there was a short battle that ensued. But uh, uh, they weren't they weren't they hadn't been given orders uh, to attack. They had simply been given orders to uh, to seize the cannon. Uh, I said Goliath, I meant uh, Gonzalez. The uh, the cannon was there at uh, uh, at Gonzalez for the defense of the colony there, uh, and the uh, the Mexican forces were repulsed. But that was the the opening shots of the Texas War for Independence. So. You have the you have the the two uh, almost uh, identical uh, beginnings of the uh, of the American and Texas War for Independence. So we'll be learning about that, and uh, and we're we're very excited about this. Uh, we've got a lot of good folks involved in the program. And uh, and if this works out, I imagine we'll uh, I imagine we'll end up getting uh, some patches made up for folks that uh, come through the course. Uh, maybe even some T-shirts and hats and stuff like that. And uh, <clears throat> you can register for the event uh, by going to uh, battleroadusa.com, and then up the top of the page is a there's a list of tabs and stuff up there. At the top of the page, go to the Ghost of Goliad project, and uh, that will uh, allow you to read more about it. And there's also a uh, a link to sign up there. All right. And uh, we certainly hope that uh, that everyone will take advantage uh, of this because it's a really great course taught by a lot of uh, really great guys who uh, really care about uh, about making sure that uh, the folks uh, who come and attend events, making sure that they get the absolute best instruction possible. And uh, the only other thing I would uh, say about this is... Uh, and uh, Sam, did you check? Did uh, did Warren want to talk? I don't know if you if you had. Oh, okay, I see it. I now I see it. You tried to tell me. Uh, uh, I'm gonna bring uh, I'm gonna bring my partner on. Uh, this is uh, Mark Martinez. Mark, thanks for calling in. Hey, Mike. I uh. uh I just got in from a run. I saw you, your message says call the show. So normally we talk about. I have an idea of what we're going to talk about. This time I have no idea. So uh, <laughs> I'm calling in blind. <laughs> well, I, I just I, I had uh, I just uh, got through talking about uh, the show tonight was about the upcoming events uh, that we're we're having at Battle Road, and I just saw a. Uh, I just saw a message pop up, and I saw that you were uh, that you were online. So I told you I sent another message to call in. I was just telling folks uh, a little earlier about uh, about what we have going on uh, in the next couple of months and the two main upcoming events. 
which is the uh, uh, the zombie biathlon, October 11th, uh, and then before that, the uh, uh, two weeks before that is the uh, Ghost of Goliad Rifle Marksmanship Project, and that's why I just I just got you talking about both of those. But I want you to add your uh, add your notes in on it. I told folks that it was almost three years ago that uh, that you and I. Uh, put this, put the uh, the zombie biathlon together, and uh, and it was I explained that it was for a couple of reasons. One was that uh, uh, we had both been doing the uh, the Pecos Running Gun in the Sun, and we really uh, enjoyed that. And also let them know about the Smokey's run coming up and the uh, his website and everything. But that <clears throat> that we that you and I talked about that we wanted some way to gauge how our training was going on. And uh, so we had the, the first event was uh, mainly for, like, staff and friends and stuff like that. But then uh, other people wanted to do it, so we made it a, uh, we made it a, uh, an open-to-the-public event now, once in October, once in April. And uh, I just went to a – I just was uh, talking to them about the uh, – that really, this is the only way that you'll, you're able to do this. We're the only uh, the only company uh, in America right now that is that has this specific type of event going on. The only way you're going to get to uh, to put on all your gear and uh, and uh, and go through a four and a half mile course, uh, you know, going from uh, shooting situation to shooting situation. Is if you come and visit us. So, just uh, I was just hoping that you would add your uh, add your voice to the uh, to the zombie discussion and uh, you know why you do it, why we do it, and uh, the benefit that folks get. Yeah, well, you know, for me, this really started. I, I want to say maybe in 2004, I was at work going through the shotgun news and. Uh, I saw this ad in the uh, Shotgun News, and it was a guy running in the desert with his rifle, and it said Pecos running gun, and he gave a very brief description of what it was. And I was looking at that, and I was thinking, man, I haven't done anything like that. And uh, and I started wondering, could I do something like that? And I kept telling myself, I think I can, but I just never really put the effort towards it. Then I started talking myself out of it, saying, oh, man, Pecos is on the other side of the state. It's so far. Yeah. It's gas. No, too far, I, too I, hot. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I had an excuse for everything. And then 2005 came around, and I saw that same ad, and I wanted to go, and then all the excuses came up again. You know, it's too far. Finally, 2006 came, and I said, I'm going. I'm going to scratch my money together. I don't know anybody out there. I'm just going to drive and see what happens. And I've been hooked ever since. And, uh, you know, after you and I started talking about doing ours, you're exactly right. We had some pistol classes coming on, and uh, I think we had some rifle stuff going on. And, you, you know, a lot of the fr- our friends we know, uh, you know, they consider themselves preppers. as Well, most of us are, and some maybe are a little more advanced than others. But what I know what caught your attention and mine as well is on some of these classes, we say, okay, load up all the magazines you have and let's get online and this and that. And some people be ready with one magazine or two magazines. Yeah. And I said, well, go ahead, load them all up. Oh, this is all I have. 
is that all the magazines you have for that gun? Well, that's all that came with it. I was like, oh, man, no. <laughs> you know, ammo and bullets go really, really fast. And then, you know, we started, we started talking about the Pecos thing, and then, you know, you've got a lot of darn land. So uh, <laughs> everything came together, and, uh, man, it's been great. And you're right, it, it's really taken off. I think we're getting we're, – we've exceeded our ticket sales uh, than any other event so far for this time period. And, right. Uh, as a matter of fact, I believe I got our last range officer signed up today. So for the first time, we have all the range officers we need. The ticket sales are moving, and people people are hearing about this, and they want to come do it. And hopefully, they don't make up excuses like I did for two years. Man, just get your <laughs> ammo, get your gear, and come on over to Central Texas and do it. Well, I, I, I've, I've gotten uh, emails and stuff from folks and messages and stuff for, of people that actually are giving me the same excuses saying, oh, man, you know, I really need to uh, I really need to work out before I do this, and I really need to learn how to shoot and better and stuff like that. And I said, well, look, this isn't a – this is – now, we do award trophies, and, uh, and we have gear that we're going to give out uh, at the race, but this is not uh, – this isn't a three-gun. We don't go by three-gun rules. We have our own rules that we made up. I think you. I think we would be considered an outlaw event, but uh, uh, we don't go by three gun rules or anything like that. And this is not a. Uh, we're not focusing on the competition. Now, you know, certainly you're going to be ranked according to the amount of time it takes you to go around the four and a half mile loop, and for the amount of time it takes you to shoot uh, shoot the core the uh, each station correctly. And that will give you your overall time, and that will give you your place in this. But I don't look at it as a competition. Like I said, I look at it uh, as a diagnostic, uh, you know, for my training to see how, you know, how, how well I'm doing. Have I been working out? Have I been uh, shooting enough to, that my, to keep my, uh, my shooting skills current? Uh, you know, how well am I doing on the, uh, uh, on the run? Because the, uh, I hadn't been running at all. The first time we went uh, and did uh, Pecos, man, that was a killer for me. And uh, after that, I said, man, I got to start doing something. I got to start, uh, I said, you know, I got to start getting in better shape. And and as I told him, I was telling folks that a lot of people used uh, you and I were using Pecos as motivation uh, for us to, uh, you know, to to stay in shape and to to better our physical conditions. A lot of people are doing the same thing now with the zombie run. They're they're because people will tell me, yeah, man, I've been uh, I've been putting on getting on my gear, minus a rifle, and putting it on, and uh, you know, and going for uh, jogs and stuff like that, getting ready. So uh, it it helps people uh, as far as keeping them motivated. But it's still, I don't look at it as a competition. I just look at it as a diagnostic. And I tell those same people who say they're not ready, I said, well, just come and and do it anyway because. Uh, it'll show you exactly what you're lacking. If you get here and uh, and you're having to walk or rest uh, on the four and a half miles, then you know you need to work on your stamina, on your physical uh, strength conditioning. If uh, if you uh, are doing okay on the run and doing okay with the rifle, but uh, but you're uh, you're not qualifying uh, at the pistol stations, then that's, it's going to show. They're going to show you where your weaknesses and where your strengths are. So I don't think that you have to say, 
oh, look, I've got to do all these things before I can go to the event because uh, really, at the end of the day, the only person you're competing with is yourself. Uh, you know, we don't put uh, we don't put 130 guys uh, online and, and do a, a starting guy and they all take off. You know, you're going to run every five minutes. Another runner starts, and uh, and this will you could do it without any. Uh, now you need to know how to shoot. You need to know. You, we don't want people who've never shot before coming out because that this isn't a place to learn how to shoot. We don't do any training during the event. Uh, so you need to know how to shoot your rifle, how to shoot your pistol before you get here. But but you don't have to do a whole no. lot of training to run the course. You're exactly right. right. I, uh, in fact, when I talk to people about it, a lot of times I have to catch myself because I always say run and gun, but you don't have to run. And uh, just like I told you, I just came in from a run. I've been running since I've been 15 years old. I've been running before I've been shooting. And this event just happens to fall into the categories of the only two things I do. You know, I don't do anything else. I, I had to get you to change my brakes on the car. I can't do anything <laughs> else but run and shoot. So I, I enjoy it. And uh, I try to remind people, yeah, you're right. You don't have to run. And, yeah, you compete against yourself. If, if you can do this event 15 seconds or 30 seconds faster than you did last time, well, then, hey, that's a plus. And uh, I know, you know, we both have mutual friends who at the very beginning said, oh, no, that's not for me. Then they kind of dipped their toes in the water and they came out and did one. And now they're saying, hey, man, you know, I'm beginning to walk more. I'm jogging a little bit. And, you know, I've got this gear and i got this because it works better. And they're really enjoying it and, and uh, uh, finding out what, you know, what they're about. And uh, yeah, that's it. You're, you're really competing against yourself and seeing what you can do. And, you know, I like to run, so I run it, but uh, I know there's no way I'm going to beat these, you know, 22-year-old military guys. I'm going to try, yeah. but uh, I'm not. <laughs> I don't think I will. But, yeah. Uh, well, I told them that, that some, of the people, some of the people that, that, that do the course, they are, uh, they are highly competitive, and they're, they're going to run it with, uh, I told them that they, you know, we get a couple of folks out here that uh, they've got uh, their, uh, uh, shorts, tennis shoes, T-shirt. They've got a very lightweight rig that just holds that pistol and uh, and one extra magazine or two extra magazines and then uh, one extra magazine for their rifle and their rifle and a hat and that's it. That's that's all they take because they've got their uh, their shooting skills are very squared away and uh, they're going to run it. They're going to run the thing and they're going to. Uh, it's going to be hard to beat those guys because that's what they do. <laughs> but uh, but you don't have to do that, like Mark was just saying. You don't. You don't have to run. I consider any person that crosses the finish line. I consider them to be uh, uh, to have scored a victory, because uh, uh, you know this is. Uh, it's only four and a half miles, which doesn't sound like that much. But you add in the uh, the obstacles, and you add in the the heat because it's usually hot, and uh, the rough terrain and stuff like that. And you know. Uh, even if it only sounds, if it, if it only says uh, four and a half miles, I think that you'll you'll know that when you get through with that four and a half miles, you'll know that you made a little bit of distance because uh, it's a pretty good little distance, especially if you're uh, if you're keeping up a good pace and you can walk with just a good stride. Uh, you can walk it with just a good stride uh, that uh, it will take you at uh, you know 16 to 18 minutes per mile. 
and uh, you can keep that up through the whole thing, and then you can finish it uh, pretty decent uh, with a pretty decent time. Right, and uh, uh, you're right, and people dress differently. The uh, Pecos happens to be next week, and uh, I'll be going to that. And uh, for Pecos, <clears throat> I always go light. I take the bare minimum on everything, and I try to go as fast as I can on that one. Uh, for ours, I enjoy ours, uh, and, and I know the course. So I never put myself in the mix of things, so I have a little more fun with it. Like last time I ran it with my uh, my grand. This time I'm thinking about uh, running the uh, infield you gave my son, and I'll see what <laughs> rifle I want. I just want to try, you know, I, I, it's fun. I just want to try different uh, rifles and different gear and, and have a blast doing this stuff. It's it's a great time. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. The only thing is, the only problem is whenever you get to uh, seven and you got to do that forty rounds. But uh, but the infield is the fastest bolt gun alive. So yeah. <laughs> well, I'll <laughs> see how fast it is. <laughs> <laughs> you could maybe pop some uh, pop some extra magazines out of uh, some other rifles and take them with you. Yeah, I may have uh, to. Well, uh, well, the I, I told us that the folks that. Uh, you know, we, you and I do, we do a lot of shooting instruction. You know, we used to work for the Appleseed Project, and we uh, we teach uh, handgun, shotgun, rifle courses and stuff now. And then we also move, you know, in and out of the uh, the prepping and self arms community. And, uh, you know, uh, we had so many folks, I especially had so many folks doing a radio show and stuff like that. I had so many folks telling me, you know, when something happens, I'm going to do it like this and this and this. And... Uh, and yet, whenever you, whenever I would ask them further about it, they would say, well, you know, I never really put it all on, and I've never tried shooting it. And uh, I've got the rifle, but I've never shot it yet. Yeah. And uh, and this is, this is, this is developed partially to, uh, uh, to address those folks, because <clears throat> you're never going to know how your gear works unless you put it on and use it. I'm telling you that... Uh, that if you've got a bad rucksack or uh, uh, or anything else, you're going to know. It's only going to take a mile or two for you to know. You're not going to. It's not going to take 20 miles for you to figure it out. Uh, you're going to. You're going to. You're going to know pretty quick uh, uh, that something isn't working right. So, so that's uh, another reason that we uh, that we have it. And uh, listen, we're also if you've got worries about your. Uh, uh, about your rifle skills, two weeks before the uh, the zombie run, we'll be running the Ghost of Goliad project, the Fundamentals of Rifle project. That's a perfect place to come and get uh, to get your rifle skills uh, squared away before you uh, before you go to the zombie run. I'm gonna bring another caller on the line with us, Mark. It's uh, okay. Warren G. Hey Warren, hey. welcome to the show. Hey Scott. Hey Mark, how you doing? Hey Warren, hi. Uh, I got to tell you guys, uh, you know, you you brought me out there as an RO for the uh, for the last zombie run, and uh, I'm I'm sorry I can't join in with this one, but it was uh, I mean it was an educational experience, and um, yeah, you guys have um, have have got the uh, got things dialed in really really well. Um, you know that you were able to take a cog and throw them into the machine that you have running there, and uh, um, and and just to see 130 people go through that, uh, and everybody from you know couples, uh, 
in their 40s strolling through and, and, and getting a view of the course and, and getting that venue uh, of shooting sport. And then, you know, to the high-speed guys that blitz through there and were like, huh, uh, where, uh, where things went on. It was amazing. Yeah, well, we had, uh, we had lots of great teams. We had uh, Kirk, Kirk Wheeler, uh, uh, not this last minute, but the event before, he and his daughter came through and shot a father and daughter team, and uh, and they did really well. We have lots of folks now that are bringing their uh, sons and daughters with them, and uh, and they're doing a great job of it, and that's what we want. I mean, we'd like to have folks uh, bring their bring their wives or bring their kids and come through. And uh, if you want to come through as a, uh, you know, as a, as a father and daughter, father and son, something like that, we'll be glad to, uh, we'll be glad to work it out so that you guys can uh, run together. Uh, we try to discourage running in teams or pairs or anything because uh, it kind of jacks with the, the flow of stuff. But any time that uh, there's a something like that, we, we'll make allowances for that. And uh, I thought that uh, Kirk and his daughter did a really great job uh, when they came through. Oh, yeah, right in the last October, uh, we even had honeymooners. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> yeah. A couple, their, uh, a couple on their honeymoon came out and did that. <laughs> so, yeah, we've had all types of folks coming out for this. So, Warren, you're not going to be able to make it uh, make it this next one? I'm afraid not. No, I'm in the middle of a, uh, or I will be in the middle of a uh, maintenance project on a boat, and I just don't have the, uh, can't be in three places at once. Right, yeah. right. Well, we'll miss you. We'll miss you um, and your I'm, wife because uh, you guys did a great job. Um, well, you know, the fact that you put me with Joe, who was, you know, squared away with uh, the pistol stuff so well, um, just just brought you know, he brought my skills up with a pistol uh, by just cueing me the day that we were um, uh, had all the all, all the ROs going through um, that brought me up to the level that we needed to be for the general public uh, thing running in. Oh, um, oh well, great. Improved my skills enough to the point where I, I think I ran through about the mid 40 seconds for that, which is probably middle of the pack, and I'm a guy who's you know uses a pistol for a hammer if I need to. <laughs> well, we're like I said, we'll miss you. Hopefully, we'll see you uh, at the April event. Um, I'll try to make I'll try to make space for that, and um, you know, as I could recommend highly to anybody that is saying, "Okay, I've made rifleman. What do I want to do next?" With uh, you know, with with the venue, and and it's like, yeah, there you go. There's a somebody just opened another door, and like, hey, check this room out. Well, uh, and, uh, of course, you know you're always welcome uh, to come and shoot anytime, whether there's a, any event uh, going on or not. You're always welcome here, man. Hey, thanks, Scout. Appreciate it. And uh, my wife, Shorty, is uh, nodding her head. She said, yeah, she might like to look at Texas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and uh, also, we've got the... Uh, uh, the Ghost of Goliad project at September 27th, 28th. You're welcome to uh, to come and uh, and shoot at that event too, as as our guest, no charge. Um, thanks, Scout. Um, uh, the problem is that I am going to be blitzing through the north part of your state about a week earlier than that, so right. it's hard to say. Well, it, but... you're you're welcome, and we'll have uh, there'll be once a month for the next seven months. So you're welcome at any of those, okay? 
Okay. Thank you very much, Scout. And uh, best of luck with, uh, you know, this enterprise is getting bigger and bigger every time I turn around. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you, man. Thank you very much. Best of luck to you. Be careful out on the roads, okay? Indeed. Take care, Indeed. Warren. Thank you, Mark. Right. Take care, and uh, God bless all the family. Hey, God bless all right. you. Take care. All right, so we've got, uh, and Warren was a big help. He was, uh, he's a heck of a nice guy, and you know what, that goes for almost everybody that uh, shows up to these events. Uh, you don't have to worry about coming and thinking that uh, your skill level, uh, that you're going to be, uh, that your skill level is not going to be great enough that, uh, that you can't uh, step into the arena with the rest of the folks there. Everybody is coming. Everybody is, uh, is always willing to, uh, they're all very helpful. They're very generous. Uh, the gun culture folks, uh, by and large, are, uh, are very, uh, very easygoing uh, and very generous with their, with their time and equipment and stuff like that. We always get uh, we always get the best folks uh, at these events, so that makes me very happy. Uh, there's no uh, at least we haven't uh, had any yet. There's no uh, uh, crazy people or mean or arrogant or anything like that. Everybody's been uh, been very uh, nice, very down to earth, and uh, and that's one of the things that makes doing the events and stuff uh, a pleasure. So, <clears throat> well. Uh, You'll be heading out to Pecos uh, this coming weekend, and uh, uh, actually in a few days, then, right? Because you're leaving before the right, weekend. I'll be leaving. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll be leaving Thursday. Okay, and, and then uh, an eight-hour drive. Right, and uh, and then uh, uh, less than uh, three weeks after that, we'll be uh, uh, getting together for the. For the uh, for the zombie biathlon, and uh, we've got a a bunch of new uh, uh, obstacles uh, this year. I don't know exactly how many of them are going to be uh, fully tweaked. There's a uh, uh, we're working on a zip line too, but it that one is coming uh, it's coming up with the uh, you know anytime you do something like that, you've got it's it gets complicated because you've got to be uh, Got to be more factor in more safety than just uh, climbing over a fence or something. Uh, but uh, eventually, we'll get the uh, uh, we'll get it tweaked, and you'll do a zip line uh, over a 140 foot of uh, of a stock tank. Uh, you won't be that high up, but you'll want a zip line uh, above the stock the stock tank as part of the course. So uh, we're trying to make it. Uh, we're trying to make it interesting and new for everybody that shows up. Got anything else uh, that you'd like to add in, Mark? Uh, no, we've got. Uh, I know you've been working on a lot of the obstacles, and uh, we've been talking about changing the course. Minor, small changes, and uh, I think it's going to be a great time. I know we'll change some, uh, move some stuff around. We've got those new targets from uh, Slate and Fabrication that we'll be using, and uh, that will free up some other targets for other ranges and. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit different. The round count should be about the same, a few rounds more or less. And uh, it's just going to be a, a great time. Right. Okay. Uh, I believe that uh, 
we may have uh, Becky Akers on this next week. Uh, she is uh, she's gotten through with uh, all of her September stuff. She's a uh, a fantastic uh, author. Uh, she writes a lot of uh, uh, American Revolutionary War uh, historical fiction, and uh, she runs a blog and uh, and is a great American patriot. I believe that. Uh, she is going to be on this next week, and uh, I'm going to try and uh, uh, maybe see if I can get uh, Smokey on if he's uh, got a few minutes uh, before their event. And uh, we'll see you guys uh, this next Thursday, 7 p.m. Central. Uh, till then, uh, God bless and uh, keep you all. And uh, Sam, thank you very much. And, uh, Mark, thank you for calling in. We'll see you guys uh, next Thursday. See you, Mike.